Welcome to the first ever edition of the Frosted Takes podcast. I'm the host, John Rosenberg. I'm here with contributor Matt Sasso, and we are going to talk about some NBA New Year's resolutions today. We're going to go through a couple teams that we pre-selected and create a New Year's resolution for them as we turn the calendar into 2018. You are my guest, Matt, so why don't you go first? Oh, wow. Well, the thing about resolutions is no one ever, ever keeps them, so hopefully they will keep these because they're really And then we'll look like profits if they actually end up doing this. (laughs) Or jerks. (laughs) But yeah, hopefully they keep some of these. Well, I'm a Knicks fan, so i got to start with the Knicks. That was a tough choice. There's so many things wrong with the Knicks organization that they could choose to fix in 2018 and beyond. Um, Like, my first instinct was just, can I swear? We're not corporate. We are not sponsored by any Uh, major... My first thought was really, like, the title of an article would be just don't fuck up Kristaps Porzingis, (laughs) because that's the number one priority, but I don't really have anything to back that up with. It's just pretty obvious. Well, they got rid of Melo, so that seems to be working. Well, they got rid of Phil. That's... That also is probably... I'm actually, like, for those that are new to the show, since all of you are new to the show, I'm the Melo fan, and he's the Melo hater, (laughs) even though he's the Nick fan. Well, they traded away everybody I loved for Melo, but that's beyond the point. That's so six years ago. Let's uh, <laughs> focus <laughs> on the last these time resolutions. The Knicks were fun until like right now. <laughs> this is the first time the Knicks have been fun since then. All right, but moving on. So my first New Year's resolution here for the New York basketball Knicks uh, is get Frank Nilkina to drive the paint. Um, he's not a good shooter. I mean, he's not terrible, but he takes way too many threes. So for a guard with his length and size only 14% of his shots come from within three feet. 5% come within three and 10. And then between 16 and three, 31%. And then from three, 31%. So that's one extremely high volume of 18 foot long range twos that are what the least efficient shots like you can take. They're like the Kevin Garnett shot, except he was good at it. You know, so by comparison, other similar players like Rondo shooting, you know, Rondo or even Lonzo are shooting double the amount of shots from around the rim. For a guy with his length and size, they just need him to attack. And if you watch any Knicks games, you'll listen to Clyde say the same thing. They obsess about it, and he just doesn't do it. And I don't know if that's a Hornacek thing, Hornacek thing, or if it's a Frank thing. I don't know if you've really watched him, but... I have watched a decent amount of Knicks games, and I think that it... It might just be a timidness that um, doesn't mean... I'm not trying to lament Frank here. Is he too French? I don't think that he's necessarily too French. I just think that the play level jump coming over from Europe and then playing in the NBA mm-hmm. is... And he's 19. So like yeah. Between the, comp- the jump in competition and being a 19-year-old in and you're like the new star well Porzingis but you're supposed to be like this saving grace of like the New York City yeah New York Knicks I don't know I I, in his first 30 games I can see why he wouldn't be as aggressive just like constantly attacking 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 and like he's playing real rim protectors now like I don't watch a lot of European basketball but I don't think he has like Embiid over there like playing against Embiid somewhere or Anthony Davis or Miles Turner over there in Europe so but yeah, he I think you're right. I mean, he doesn't seem like he really ever looks for his offense. And I mean, I guess I understand it because he can't really shoot, and he's a kid. Um, and Beasley's probably screaming at him to give him the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Beasley's amazing. He's gonna win 2018 Finals MVP. But 
I don't know. He's just young, and they just have to give him time, and and they just have to figure out what it is that he can do well and yeah. put him in a position to do that that thing well. But they do have to get him attacking the basket more because fourteen percent of his shots at the rim is just too low. Yeah. So for comparison, Lonzo's thirty one percent of his shots come from within three feet. Yeah. So, so b- before we move on, I have to say though that when the draft happened and then when Summer League happened, I was like, wow, the Knicks fucking blew it. I can't believe they didn't take Dennis Smith Jr. What were they thinking? And obviously, like, redraft, no question, I would still take Dennis Smith over over Frank. But I'm kind of... The gap that I thought that there was going to be between the two of them is just a lot smaller than than what I was anticipating. Yeah, I'm not upset about that. Like, I like Frank. I just really wanted Dennis Smith, but... These are the numbers. Yeah, I, I want him to be like, more like Dennis Smith. Like, Dennis Smith, 34% from within three feet. And then after that, it's just a split of about 10% all the way up until three-pointers are another 33%. So he's taking threes, and he's dunking. And that's all you need to do in And NBA. that is today's NBA. So with Maury Ball in mind, we can now move, okay. transition here segue into my new year's resolution for the houston rockets specifically mike d'antoni and that resolution is mike d'antoni will not grind james harden into the ground so that he can win mvp so zach lowe recently wrote an article on the rockets i believe it was zach lowe i might get in trouble for misrepresenting this and d'antoni is quoted in the article saying that james should want to win mvp and he should but the Rock, we, the Rockets, have to be careful. And D'Antoni does say that he wants to save their legs, and he's battling this instinct to overplay a short rotation. And they really only have a nine-man rotation. And with Chris Paul out, he only uses eight guys. And so balancing a short rotation in Harden's MVP obsession, and Harden is an Iron Man. In the past three seasons, Harden has played 81 games, 82 games, and 81 games, which I admire because nobody does that anymore. Everyone vacations for two weeks in Miami in the middle of the season. And D'Antoni has scrapped morning shoot-arounds so that players can sleep in more, and Mm. apparently James Harden was the last person to get on board with that. Um, I like that, though. I do like it, too. So Harden is 10th in the NBA this season at 36.3 minutes per game. That would be his lowest minutes per game of his Rockets tenure, but only by a tenth of a percentage, because last season he was at 36.4, and we all saw what happened in Game 6 against the Spurs when he took 11 step-back jumpers, missed all of them short, and he was just gassed. So Chris Ball had a quote. um, I can't remember where I read this, but he had a quote about... It may have been in this article about managing their minutes. So Chris is playing like 36 minutes a game as well, but he said... That 36 minutes in Houston is like playing 25 minutes in LA because Chris always has the ball in his hand right. as a clipper. So because the two of them just share it, apparently the burden of that just doesn't wear them down as much. But still, like the NBA is just such a marathon, it's such a slog. And the other thing is that you're just not going to be the one seed. So right now, as of today, they are right now they're not. They're second. They're a game they, back now. They're, they're a game, game back, back now. Yeah. And they're a game back, and Durant has already missed five games. Draymond has already missed six games. <laughs> and Steph out. has missed the last 11 games, and he's still going to miss more. Yeah. And they still aren't the number one seed. Like, you're just, like, it's not going to happen. And I'm sure that Daryl Morey knows down to the zillionth decimal how important game seven at home is. It's just, it, you have to get to game seven 
and he said they're obsessed with beating the Warriors, and they should be obsessed with be- beating the Warriors. It yeah. should be the only thing that matters. And James Harden, uh, he should want to win MVP. The organization should want to want him to win MVP. He's been second the past two years, as everybody knows. And if I were to vote, I'll never have a vote. But if I had a vote, as of right now, I would vote for James Harden this year. The goal, what's the goal? What's the goal? The goal is to win a championship. And the I believe, and we can talk about this another time, that the Rockets actually have a chance to beat the Warriors. Now, I'm going to put a little context around that because I think they're the only team that has a chance to beat a healthy Warriors team. There's like I give any other team a 0% chance to win in a seven-game yeah, series. Yeah, if I'm a Warriors fan, I'm a little worried about but the Rockets. But the Rockets have a chance. Maybe that chance is like 5%, but I do think that it's greater than 0 which, which is all you which need. Which is all you need because the Warriors that. are just not fair. So that is my resolution. So don't grind James Harden into the ground just to win MVP. Okay. Go the Popovich Just style. to win MVP. <laughs> go the yeah. go the. Although, well, I was looking at this too, and they're only two and a half games up on San Antonio, which is that's crazy. Unreal because Kawhi Leonard didn't play for the first yeah. twenty five games or whatever it is. <laughs> Serious. So Pop is like you, the real MVP, Pop. But um, get the two. Like I would, I would try to. Yeah. I wouldn't go like full Spurs and rest all the time, and then end up three, <laughs> and then have to play in in San Antonio. Like I would, I would be aggressive about getting the two seed, but you're just not going to be the one seed. And I'd want to see him win MVP, but then yeah, he's going to get ground down, and he's going to get blocked from behind on a last second <laughs> shot by a literal gremlin crawling out of the ground named Manu Ginobili, who can't even like get off the ground. Yeah. So that's how gassed. Right. <laughs> he won't even be able to jump. It's not fun when the superstars gas like that. I mean, you watched two years ago, Steph couldn't even get around Kevin Love for the last shot at the end of a game after he no one could guard him all year. That was partially injury, but still. Couldn't even get around like the worst defender in basketball, maybe, <laughs> at the time. Well, speaking of, I guess, grinding people into the ground, have you heard of Jason Kidd? Once upon a time. He sucks. <laughs> I hate him. Uh, I liked him for six months on the Knicks when he was doing some cool things, but I did not like him on the Nets because... The Nets suck, and I hate the Nets. My New Year's resolution for the Milwaukee Bucks is to fire Jason Kidd, and I think everyone's kind <laughs> See, of. See, this on is why it's going to make us look like jackasses if mm. these things come true. No, yeah, well, I think everyone's on that train. Like, you know, people who are like Jason Kidd should be tenured. <laughs> no, I don't. I I mostly hear negative Jason Kidd sentiments. He's going to run his players into the ground. Like the the minutes leaders, number one is Giannis. Tied for third with Jimmy Butler, who is being coached by Tom Thibodeau. Talk about needing to fire a coach. Well, at least he's a good coach. He, uh, he runs them into the ground, too. It, Chris Middleton, anyways, is third. So they got their two best players, basically, are one and three in minutes per game. Um, well, Jason Kidd's like, I, I think I've read this somewhere on Twitter, he's like if Tom Thibodeau was bad a terrible coach he has everything Tom <laughs> Thibodeau does terrible because he's going to run his I don't know, dude, into the, the Timberwolves still are terrible at defense, and this is like which year is, two and he's, yeah. And, and that's his whole thing. Guy. Maybe, like you said, that's Count's fault. And Wiggins. And Wiggins, who's yeah. also just garbage. I mean, they do, yeah. But anyways, I've gathered some points from seasoned Milwaukee Bucks fans and friends and just around the internet. And if you watch any of their games, you'll see some of this stuff happening. But besides running his players into the ground, their defense, one defensive rebounds, they're like last in the league. They're dead last in rebound percentage. And they, up. which is insane. Because I was thinking about DeAndre Jordan trades. Just in a per game, yeah, yeah. Which I don't know how that happens when you're like point guard, small forward, and they still play nor and they play normal bigs all the time. They play John. They Henson. play three bigs sometimes yeah. on a team that can play small. Like his <laughs> his lineups make no sense. He plays people 
He plays like DeAndre Liggins, and he played Gary Payton until they cut him. Like, he was playing Gary Payton so much, and they kept telling him to stop, they just cut him so he couldn't play him anymore. There's something weird. I there's something weird with those two way. There's like an unintended consequence with those two way contracts where it's like you play you basically play yourself into like earning a roster spot, but then they like can't pay you because of the salary cap. the 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 Bucks are like real up against the tax. I'm actually yeah. going to get to that in a minute. And so they had to like just get rid of Gary Payton because they couldn't pay him, which is like well, the they, which defeats the whole purpose of like letting a contract. guy like like toggle back and forth between the g league and the nba so they can like prove his yeah. worth i don't get it either. i don't get it but either way playing him and deandre liggins like as many minutes as i don't know like the reigning rookie of the year and everything and it's not like malcolm brogdon's he is who he is superstar but like he's he gets he, is, he, he is should he get is. minutes so his lineups don't really make sense i mean there were a couple times where he played three bigs with Giannis, like this is insane <laughs> well you'd be the point here he runs a defensive scheme that's, I guess, too aggressive, and it doesn't work. A, a Bucks fan told me to point out there's a game when they played the Mavs where he finally had them kind of fall back on pick and rolls and switch on screens and be a little less aggressive. And it's proven in even just basic stats because the Bucks overall give up uh, 47% shooting to the opposing team. Um, and in that game, they only gave up like 40 they only give up 31 from three instead of the normal 35. And they beat the Jazz. Sorry, not the Mavs. The Jazz came early December. They're not the most talented defensive team, so being so aggressive probably isn't going to help them. Also, the best part about him is he's just kind of an idiot. He's always been kind of an idiot. <laughs> he, he, they, he always gets, he was a smart, savvy veteran, but he says some dumb stuff. Like, you saw earlier when they were playing the Cavs and you told Chris Middleton to miss a free throw, even though... Yeah, that was the stupidest thing I've ever With seen. two seconds left. And he's done it, but did you see that he's done that before? No. Oh, uh, I can't remember what it was, but it was, like, the it was the exact he, same situation. But I think they were up two. And he was, like, worse. missed the free throw. And, it, the, and the guy missed it, even though... Because Middleton tried to make it, didn't he? Yeah. No, 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 that's what it was. Oh, I'm sorry. No, Middleton missed it, and nobody knew why. I wish I could remember the details, but uh, they did it before... And whoever it was, he made it, or he, like, tried to make it. And then they still ended up winning because there's only, like, point six left on the clock, right. so they still ended up winning the game. And then Jason Kidd, like, yelled at him after <laughs> the game for, like, trying to make the free throw. And it's like, do you understand math? Like, he doesn't get math. <laughs> he can't, literally can't do math. He's just a melting pile of a person. But his quote after that game when asked why he told Chris to intentionally miss a free throw was... We'll take the bet of someone missing it from the other side of the floor, being a gambler, understanding we we didn't make the free throw. With our luck, they get it inbounds at half court. We foul the three-point shooter, and it's a four-point play. So that's what he was worried about happening. He doesn't trust his team to not foul, to not foul. a three-point shooter on a last-second shot when you're up four. So he said, we'll take our chances with them heaving a full-court shot. Another time, they asked him why they're starting Gary Payton, and he said again, referencing an earlier quote you can't lose the game in the first four minutes so that's why he starts who he starts <laughs> but so i've listened and read about their defense and it is super super they just blitz it's so aggressive they blitz every single pick and roll it's like it's yeah defense. it's literally they're just like copying the miami heat defense it's crazy but their theory it's just because it, the theory of it is really interesting and it almost like makes a lot of sense that like if they because the milwaukee bucks or everyone on that team has like a nine foot wingspan, so they're so <laughs> long that his and it's, they're so long that the theory is that we're gonna blitz every single pick and roll, 
it's not even about tipping it. It's that, like, there's a difference. Have you ever heard, like, for quarterbacks, there's a difference between throwing a completion and throwing a strike? No. It, it, just think about, like, a quarterback not leading him. Like, if he has to, like, like halfway turn around so he catches it, like, on his back hip. Yeah. And he doesn't have that, like, fraction of a second that he has to, like, wait for the ball or yeah. hesitate. He gets tackled instead of, like, turning the corner. Yeah. Or, like, you'll notice a lot of times any slot receiver for the, or running back for the Patriots runs, like, four yards out. Brady throws it back inside of the field because it makes the running back – he makes the receiver start running back inside. Mm-hmm. And so – and it's just, like, if you throw strikes – then it's just, like, perfect motion. Like, if you just throw it strike, then the guy's, like, you hit Brandon Cooks at full speed. He yeah. doesn't have to. Okay. But if it's, like, back here, he has to Obviously. slow down. So it's not what even it's about. The then Tyree catches it. But <laughs> if if you don't hit. So if you're playing if you're playing whoever and you blitz the pick and roll. So now you have a guy that's open, right? And say it's, like, a 1-4 like a pick and roll and the, and the power forward pops. Yeah. But if you don't throw a strike to the power forward, then because you are so long, so you can't throw a strike because the because of the length of the blitz. So you have to just get it to him, and it won't be a good pass. And then because the pass is off, and you still are super long, then you can recover in time so on to defend speed. that shot and the, the length. length. So they're basically saying that like we are so freaking long, and these passing windows are so obscure and terrible for you. That you're not going to be able to get the ball there in the right spot fast enough. And then we're just going to get back to our defense before we can get the shot off. And the theory, it makes sense in theory. Yeah. And I think it was the 2013-14 season where the Bucks defense was like, they had the best defense, but there was just like, nobody hit a three. I don't know if like a single team hit one three against them like all year. Like it was ridiculous how lucky they got, which is people so just like just missing three it, pointers. But now that like it regressed to the mean... And people hit three pointers against the yeah. Bucks now, like it doesn't work anymore. And like, now we have like three, like two and a half or like three years of sample size of this like not working in the one working. year where it's like, oh well, everyone just missed a bunch of threes. Yeah, okay. So once again, he's an idiot. It yeah. worked once. It worked once. And so now he's riding it for the rest of his life. It's like Nicholas Cage in Raising Arizona, where he acted like an insane fool, and everyone thought it was great. And he's like, I'm just going to do that for thirty years, and now all his movies are garbage, just like Jason Kidd. But he still gets paid. He still gets paid. But he did say he's a gambling man, so he's literally just gambling that, you know, we'll recover because of our length. Okay, so someone else that needs to make a change is Lonzo Ball. <laughs> so. You go to Lithuania? My, no, Lonzo Ball, not the, I know. Uh, oh, I, I know. I don't think that he should join them. So my New Year's resolution for the Los Angeles Lakers is to hire any member of the Barry family to just shadow Lonzo all day long and teach him how to shoot a basketball. Lonzo is averaging 10 points a game. He's shooting 48% from th- from the free throw line. No, really? Yeah. He is shooting <laughs> his effective field goal percentage, 41.7. He's shooting 29.7, so I'm going to round that up to 30 from mm-hmm. three. 35% from the floor and a 42.5% true shooting, which is just absolutely horrible. In October... He shot 28.6% from three on five attempts a game. He played 14 games in November, 24.3% from three on five attempts a game. And in December, over 10 games, he shot 37.7% from three on 5.3 attempts per game. So on his last 53 threes, he has shot 37.7%. So if he can be that guy and shoot like 38% from three, because he does so many other things really well. 
he is a re- he actually I'm actually surprised of how good of a defender he is because he's not like a Dennis Smith like nuclear athlete but he's like pretty athletic yeah and he's also really pesky he's pretty long he's tall he's for tall. a point guard he's, he's like 6'6 six, six. and he's pretty long so he gets a lot of steals and he gets a lot of blocks and he's just like and he just he really understands the game of basketball so he just is like an annoying pesky defender and obviously his pad we all know about his passing and yeah and he's incredibly good at rebounding for a point guard and he'll probably just rack up plenty of tri- he'll tri- he'll will rack up jason kidd triple doubles where he scores 10 points like his he whole career has, yeah. yeah he already has two or three of them i probably watched like 75 percent of laker games so two things this twitter entity i guess lakers film room they showed a side by side of devin booker and lonzo ball shooting and their form is the same thing it's the same thing i think devin booker doesn't really shoot because lonzo shoots it like over his left eye so devin booker doesn't shoot it over his left eye like that but the way that they bring it up and then just like the odd elbow position and all that stuff it's like the exact same thing the biggest thing i noticed though that's different is lonzo jumps forward when he shoots yeah he never goes straight up and down so whenever he shoots he will land like three feet in front of where he jumped from obviously there's room for improvement do you really want to completely remake somebody's form i don't know maybe but there's obviously like low-hanging fruit like don't jump forward it worked for tim tebow um it worked for tim tebow he cut so lately he will confidently like if he goes around a screen in like the mid-range and obviously the nba hates mid-range shots but if you're wide open yeah then like just fucking shoot it like it's you're wide open yeah and if he goes around a screen in the mid-range and nobody is within 10 feet of five feet of him he just doesn't even hesitate and he just pulls up and shoots and he did it one night and he actually had like perfect form in the shot and he just absolutely drained it it was really encouraging he went five of six from three of the last game he played he's out with a shoulder right now the biggest difference from the beginning of the season to now is that he doesn't turn down open shots anymore if he missed his first like two threes the closest defender would be like me on my couch watching the game and he wouldn't shoot the ball. Yeah. But now he never turns down an open shot, which at least even if it's not going in, although it has been going in lately, even if it's not going in, I still deem that improvement and you can call me biased, but I still, because it's a confidence thing. If you're not shooting what Dion waiters quote that he stole from Kobe Bryant, yeah, I'd rather go, <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather go over 30 than over nine. Cause over nine meant I quit. Yeah. If you're open, you got to shoot the ball. I don't want him to not shoot the ball because he's because he's too scared because he's, he doesn't have the confidence that he's going to make the next shot. I don't care. Kobe Bryant never thought he was going to miss the next shot, even if he was over 80. Yeah. So. How much do you love Kyle Kuzma? Oh, my God. Future MVP, Kyle Kuzma. He's, he's pretty good. Steal the draft. Yeah, definitely. I mean. <laughs> Although there's like a bunch of people that, I mean, there's a bunch of people that went way too low. But, I mean, considering he was the 27th pick, it doesn't get much lower. Right, and he's playing really well. And he's playing really well. Although, he is also another contender for the worst actual defender in the NBA. Is he? <laughs> yeah. But he's just so wonderful on offense. Yeah. We're lacking in segue, but please. Well, it's actually you're thinking your of next team. Uh, the Bulls pick this year will trade you for pick. Markinen? 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 Yeah. Markinen? Mark Markinen? How do you say it? Lowry? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, how... Basically, the scouts were like, well, he's just the next Porzingis. Anyways, so the Bulls, um, their New Year's resolution has nothing to do with him. It just has to do with two guys getting in a fight, uh, and they need to trade one of them. And the one of them that they need to trade is Nikola Mirotic. Surprising. 
I know you disagree with me, but it's just a sad state of humanity where you trade the dude who, who got, punched, the got punched and is the better player and is the better player <laughs> but that's why due to business considerations due to future of your team he's 26 <laughs> he's got a team option for 14 million next year 12 or 14 mil next year um, whatever he's making this year so i i mean if you're miritich and you got punched in the face by a teammate and had to miss the first third of the season or whatever and You've heard all the, you know how bad the front office is, and you've seen public airings about the front office, so everyone knows how bad the front office is. You know, are you going to stay? Are you going to, if they accept that team option, are you going to re sign there the next year? Mm, not if Bobby Portis was still there. <laughs> Especially if Bobby Portis was still there. I mean, he's unlikely to be there, but I, I just can't imagine him re signing a long term deal with the Bulls. Either way, it's not really about him, it's about him coming back and going on a seven game win streak. And now they've won eight of the last ten, and the only teams they've lost to are the two best teams in the East. But they just beat the Bucks. They're playing the Knicks tonight in 30 minutes as of recording this, so they're probably going to win again. They just beat the Knicks two weeks ago because the Knicks suck. The Knicks yeah. do suck. Um, Have they played a road game yet this year? They're, they're I think they're like <laughs> <laughs> two and eleven on the road, or they're something. two and ten on the road. Fifteen and five at home. Now yeah. they just lost fifteen and six. Yeah, so it's going to be bad. It's just like last year. They were like. I think they have 20 of their next 30 on the road. Yeah, it's awful. Last <laughs> year, they were in the same position at the same time. They were like 16 and 13 and then 5th, though, at the time because the East sucked. And then they just lost every game, which is good because then they got a pick and they got Frank. And that's what the Bulls needed to do. Well, they didn't get Dennis Smith. It, they got somebody. <laughs> they didn't get the 20th pick. It's not like they were going to pick Kyle Kuzma. And they didn't the get next. Josh Jackson, and that's what really matters. Yeah, well, at least. <laughs> the Bulls had two wins before. Yeah, I know. Three wins before Miritich came back, and now they have 11. I mean, they need. And he came back like five days ago. It's insane. <laughs> I mean, he's the best player in the NBA right now. He might be the best athlete of all time. All and he time. came in and. Thibodeau must be so pissed. So <laughs> and now they're just going to win. And it's ridiculous. Like, they're not going to beat really good teams, obviously. But if they're beating mediocre and bad teams, they're going to end up with like 30 something wins or whatever. And they're not going to get. They're going to have a bad lottery percentage if they, you know. In they the went from. And this and, is the last year of the stacked odds. Right. After this, it gets to, it's leveled on. So, and they have their 2018 pick. It's not like they don't have the pick. So, it's like, so they stupid. need to lose and get a they used goddamn to be, top five pick. They used to be easy, the worst winning percentage, and now they're tied for the fifth worst. And getting better. And getting better. <laughs> Possibly. I don't know. Maybe because this is pretty Miritich cool. is just... Although, I still believe that Dallas is, like, eventually going to just start, like, ripping off some wins because they're not, like, they can't this be that bad. bad. Yeah. So the I mean, Bulls' resolution isn't necessarily get rid of Miritich. I think they should to get value out of it. But I think the resolution, yeah, should they should tanking. lose. They should they stop should winning so much. <laughs> That's their resolution. I, I think all Bulls agree. fans would agree with that. No one wants to see them win right now because it's not going going to go anywhere this year. Get a pick. The other thing, though, it's it's not even just Miritich. It's the, Chris Dunn, who I thought was like the worst player I've ever seen, <laughs> is has better. been like crushing it the past ten games, and I'm just like rethinking my entire life. Just, like if Chris Dunn is actually good, you spend a year in the West and you get traded to the East, and suddenly you're Victor Oladipo. Well, it takes like fucking, twenty. Yeah, I know. You're amazing. Well, he was in the East in the beginning. I know, but you spend one year in the West, <laughs> and then you go. Yeah, and then you go back. Right. It doesn't matter where you were before, college or on the Magic. So, Same thing. Yeah. You know, I don't have really anything to like add to that i just i they should be tanking like this is ridiculous you don't even have to tank they're not good so just like stop playing above your level somehow stop magically winning and i think it's you have to tell Miritic to stop being good just fire hoiberg 
They're going to anyway. Yeah. So just let an interim coach guide them to, like, no wins. Right. Trade him for Jason Kidd straight up. (laughs) Get a word, yeah. Get the worst. Get Thibodeau back. No. No. Don't get Thibodeau back. Solves two of my New Year's resolutions if they trade him for Jason Kidd. Moving on to a even worse Eastern Conference team, Uh the Atlanta Hawks. And uh, I know my our listeners are going to be so thrilled that we spent all this time talking about the Bulls and the Hawks on our initial podcast. There are Hawks fans out there. I don't know any of them, but I believe you. The Hawks' New Year's resolution should be to act as a dumping ground because there are really only like six teams that are going to have significant cap space in this market coming up. The Hawks are one of them, and nobody is signing with the Hawks. Like, <laughs> yeah. they are okay. light years away from contention. Like, it's not happening. The Atlanta Hawks have the fourth most practical cap space, according to Spot Rack. And practical cap space accounts for you renouncing all of your cap holds. So they would have $31.8 million. And like I said, they are so far away from contending. A lot of teams have these albatross contracts and people want to get into the market or avoid the luxury tax. So they should just uh, really just take, just, hey, who, I'll give us a first round pick and we will take your bad money. Yeah. They only have three players with guaranteed deals in 2019, 2020. And then they also have John Collins, who technically that year is a team option, but they're obviously he's been like tremendous so obviously he'll be getting extra that will be exercised so a few ideas here actually if they want to do it at the trade so there's the trade deadline options and then even the trade deadline options most of them would still um be able to be done over the summer and then there's uh two that are just more reasonable for uh during the summer Mm -hmm. so but first and foremost just call the lakers and say all right we'll take dang what are you oh giving just what like just tell me what i'm getting and like we will we will take it i forgot he's still on the team <laughs> yes he is on Does the he team get, like 16 mil so after this season dang has two years and 36.8 million dollars left on his contract yes it is the worst contract in nba history it's so bad i hate i hate jimmy boss the lakers said we're we're not gonna we're not gonna do the irresponsible thing we need those first round picks we're not gonna just sell off two of them to get rid of the dang contract so apparently they're just going to stretch dang over five years after this season and then it'll be 7.3 million against their cap for the next five season but it's just that's a that's that's Still. some dead money man that is some dead money uh bellinelli and Ilya Sova are on expiring deals that add up to 12.6 million dollars because you have to match the money in a trade mm-hmm. and then they can use babbitt and tyler cavanaugh which will get them up to, which will get like another 3.5 so you're at like 16 million dollars of expiring contracts that they can send out so i mean even if i was i don't know how they would make this work financially i don't think it's actually really possible but if i was them just take clarkson take dang and clarkson yeah i mean you have clarkson or his contract i mean he's pretty good he's like a contender for six man of the year is he on a good contract though? he's like i mean so it kind of looked not that great but he's been really good this year. I've always been a Jordan Clarkson fan. He's been really good this year, and they don't want to, like, get rid of him, but they will get rid of anybody when it means that, like, they'll sign LeBron and Paul George. Right. Um, So after this season, he has two years and, like, $26 million left on the contract, which for, I mean, for somebody who's, like, a contender of six men in the year, like, that's fine. And the Hawks don't need the money because they are terrible. So, I don't know, just take Jordan Clarkson, and then they can wait one year, let Dang, like, 
sit at home for a year. This totally sucks for Dang. He's just never going to play again. Um, he shouldn't be playing again. I think he could be a four. I think he can be uh, um, a stretch four. So just take Dang and and take Clarkson and then just buy, let Dang sit around for a year and then buy him out next year. Anyway, so that's one idea. The Bucks are in a serious like luxury tax situation and they have like paydays coming up as well. I don't. Th- I I want to give Jabari Parker a max contract. No way. Yeah. There is yeah. no way I'm doing that. And his qualifying offer next year is eight point eight million dollars. This isn't even necessarily like a dumping ground thing. This is like, would the Bucks just settle for like a second round pick? Like the Hawks are gonna have what the first pick of the second round? Would they just take that for Jabari Parker? That sucks for the Bucks. <laughs> I mean, it, it's better to get something than nothing. No, I know. I, it sucks that it, it could come to that. That that's what they. Might it's have better. To do I mean, it, they're not gonna want to pay the tax. Yeah. So I mean, would you just dump Jabari? So that's one idea. The Mason Plumlee contract. He's got after this season two years, twenty-seven million dollars. They could take that. Evan Turner. The Blazers are in like tax hell. Yeah. They are so screwed. I mean, they made some moves because they dumped um, Crab. Uh, Evan, dude, so Evan Turner money. after this season is two years, thirty-seven and a half million dollars, and they have to pay Nurkic yeah. after this season. They gotta pay him. So like, just dump Evan Turner. The Brandon Knight contract, because the the Suns are trying to clear their space because they want to sell the team. So okay, two years, thirty point two million dollars after this season. Omer Asik is not that bad of a deal, but if they're gonna max out Boogie, then like they have no money. Like they are like gonna be up against the tax. And then you have to, dude. You have got to call. The Memphis, yo, you got to call the Memphis Grizzlies if you're looking for for a team that wants to dump. I don't think that they would dump Mark Gasol or Mike Conley, but Gasol after this season has one year and twenty four million dollars left, and then after that he has a player option for twenty five point six million dollars, and he'll be thirty four years yeah. old yeah. at that time. So unless, so if you do. They're not going to do it because they couldn't survive the PR, and then they would have literally nobody showing up to their games. But, I mean, you have to assume he's going to pick up that option. Yeah. So that's two years and $50 million left that you're paying Mark Gasol. And maybe the Hawks will just be lucky and he'll decline that player option because he just won't want to be in Atlanta. Um, Not going to happen, though. Mike Conley's kind of the same thing because he has two years and $63 million and then a player option worth $34.5 million <laughs> ahead of his age 33 season, which he would, you have to assume, $34.5 million. The only, so it's really three years, $97.5 million that they still have to pay Mike Conley. Wasn't there the like only three days thing, this offseason where he was the highest paid point guard ever, or player ever? When he signed the deal, he was, right. it was the largest contract yeah. ever. And the only thing is that like he, because maybe he wants to hit the market at uh, age 32, because sometimes these guys will decline their player option, hoping that like they get a new four-year contract that has more guaranteed dollars over the life of the entire contract. Yeah, like it's like what Gasol did with the Spurs this year. He declined the player option, so they just give him like more money over more years. Maybe he'll want to do that. But I'm sure they would actually dump Chandler Parsons. 
who still has two years and 49.2 million dollars after this season and like i don't think he's garbage but his he was never worth the money the second he was never worth the money but it was like all right maybe this guy can be like 85 percent worth of like a max dude it's the injuries i think it's the injuries i think that chandler parsons is a good player he fell off the face of the earth yeah it was like fell, fell off the face of the planet and then so if you don't so these are all like deadlines some of these most of these could probably happen over the summer maybe not the jabari parker thing but um and then during the summer if the rockets are like chasing lebron james they're going to dump brian anderson who has two years and 41.6 million Mm dollars left and as always just call pat riley see what happens and (laughs) see what he has to say i I Um, feel really bad for the grizzlies and mike conley and Marcus Gasol and them just wasting away and Zach Randolph and now he just got dumped and now he's just wasting well he chose he chose he didn't he didn't trade I don't know why he chose to go there George Hill and Zach Randolph went there do you see George Hill's tweet I'm like I was told we were gonna compete this year right what does that mean how dumb I'm sure they said like yeah we're gonna try to compete this year but like when eight guys are on rookie scale contracts on your team what does compete mean you're not gonna be making the playoffs in the Western Conference the Warriors what were you thinking you thought was gonna happen he left the Spurs to go to the Kings it's like the most opposite franchise you could think of at this time so I also feel bad for that because he's had a pretty good renaissance it's he chose to sign there i I don't feel bad for him i guess um sometimes i feel bad and he turned down what did what didn't the jazz offer him like 80 million dollars did they it's something like i can't remember the number is he offered him they offered him this humongous extension and then his market just absolutely dried up and when he didn't take it so our bonus resolution though is for adam silver to move a team to seattle and okay, so the Grizzlies initial, are halfway there. Yeah, so I didn't want to move the Grizzlies because I felt like they're fans. So it's a rumor because of this weird thing that's going on with their ownership where like yeah. one of them is buying out the other. Um, and then I was talking to Scott, and he was like, oh, it's a rumor that the Grizzlies are going to move. And I was like, oh, they don't deserve to lose their team. Like, I think that their fans, like, really love that team. They do. I was so wrong. Dude, yeah. no, they don't. I looked it up. So, in 2008-2009-2010, the Grizzlies ranked 29th, 29th, and 28th in attendance. And then they finally made the playoffs in 2011 at the 8th seed. They were 27th in attendance as a playoff team. Then, in 2012, as the 4th seed, 20th in attendance, 2013, 5th seed. 19th in attendance in 2014 there were a 50 win seven seed i just want to say that because that's insane 20th in attendance fifth seed 18th in attendance this is just chronologically 2015 fifth seed 18th in attendance seventh seed 24th in attendance seventh seed 23rd in attendance and this year they're 14th in the western conference and they're 25th in attendance nobody cares nobody goes to they're the up in attendance they're they're from 29th so Somehow. Kevin Arnovitz and Andrew Han did a podcast episode on the Hoop Collective and apparently like wrestling, like fake like wrestling entertainment wrestling is like a really big part of Memphis culture. Mm-hmm. And before like the WWE just like ran the world and they were like smaller independent outfits, they it, like that was a big thing in Memphis. And the like game operations write these like crazy scripts that they and they have these mascots do like all these like they like jump through tables and they do like all this stuff and they have like and like the 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 mascot has like like he's the baby face and the mascot has like a heel like there's another like mascot and he's like the bad guy and they do these like, like wrestling things like yeah and it's crazy 
and they do this whole intricate thing that has that like plays on like the the love of wrestling within the city of memphis and i think that that's really cool so that's just like why i don't want the grizzlies to like disappear yeah. but apparently nobody cares and they're going through an ownership change and like whatever just move them but my other nominees for moving the team are the clippers because <laughs> dude no one cares know, no one's but... a clippers fan they're fake fans they the should. three Steve seasons yeah, the yeah. three se- yeah and steve Ballmer. that gets just such an easy connection and i'm sure he has a house in seattle and right um the three seasons before blake griffin ever played for the clippers they were 19th 22nd yeah. and 20th in attendance then the highest the clippers ever got were the third seed they did it in back-to-back seasons 13 14 and 14 15 they were seventh and ninth in attendance and now that they suck again guess what happened they're currently 22nd in the NBA in attendance. Nobody cares. It's the Lakers town. We all know this. Just be your own entity. Go. You're not a historic team. You don't have banners. The Magic are surprisingly 16th in attendance. I really thought they would be like 28th. Because yeah, who now. is a Magic fan? <laughs> I don't know any Magic. Like, I know one Even guy. Florida likes professional sports. I know don't. one person that's a Magic fan. It's because when we were kids, Penny and Shaq were yeah, on the Magic. Cool. And yeah. it was cool. They're not there anymore. And, like, yeah. everybody hates Dwight, so, like, whatever. Just move the magic. Nobody cares. Do you My think the... final... This... I want this team to be moved, and it might be too much of, like, a historic team to be moved. But, like, I hate the Hawks. Move the Hawks. Like, I don't understand why the Hawks exist. Their logo... Have you ever seen their logo? They don't shade yeah. in the back of their logo. So it's just, it's just like, a red outline on white. Yeah. And I don't ever see a Hawk when I look at it. I see Pac-Man. Every time I look at that logo. Okay. Yeah. And that neon green in their jerseys, what is that? Why do they what? have neon green in their because jerseys? Because they had neon the green Hawks. in the 60s. They're the Hawks. They're, it's It looks terrible. They're, guess where they rank in attendance? Dead last. Dead last. Yes. No one's a Hawks fan. Nobody cares. Just move. And the solution to all of this, if you move an Eastern Conference team to Seattle, is just like, oh, I don't know, maybe have Memphis be in the Eastern Conference. Uh, those are my four contenders. Somebody needs to move Seattle. I would move the Hawks because, like, I just hate the Hawks. But... Somebody logically should move, probably. Uh, I get it. So the other thing about the Grizzlies, not only does nobody care, Grizzly. but they are in the worst. I, and the NBA is a billion-dollar business, and the Grizzlies are in the worst market. They lose the most money. They Nobody, like, buys anything. Nobody yeah. cares. And So I guess, like, if I was Adam Silver, I'd probably be like, hey, let's move the Grizzlies. But the Clippers, really, I know it's just, like, they're the Clippers, but it's like, what does that even mean? And I know it's L.A., and L.A. and New York can support two teams yeah. in, in professional sports, but have your own identity. You play in – you're in the Lakers arena. They're looking for their own arena. They share Staples Center. They're trying to get their own facility. So, yeah, the Clippers, I mean, Steve Ballmer makes it easy, and – uh then you don't have to shift teams around in the in, you know who's in what conference. Even though the Grizzlies should just be in the Eastern Conference, but that works. Yeah, who do you think is the most logical one? I still think the Grizzlies, but yeah. the Steve Ballmer angle really makes it obvious from a ownership wanting to standpoint. So I could see that happening. He's got the money to throw. Let's talk about the Pelicans. Um. Wait. Uh. Okay. So why there's so many. Actually, I almost I almost picked the Pelicans because my one of my resolutions was going to be to like very black market like back channel like explore boogie trains because I wouldn't want to risk pissing him off and I wouldn't want to risk pissing off Anthony Davis either. Right. I just think that like there's only so many opportunities to get 
stars in their prime in the NBA, and when you have DeMarcus Cousins, you don't get rid of them. But if you but if you're paying Anthony Davis and you're paying DeMarcus Cousins and you're paying Drew Holiday, then you are just locked into this nucleus. And what are you ever going to be besides the seven seed and losing to the Rockets in the first round? You'd rather them keep Boogie? I'm not saying I would rather them keep Boogie. I'm just saying, like, I'm calling Danny Ainge and seeing out of his, like, again treasure chest of picks that he has that are still owed to him. And, yeah. like, would you give Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum for mm. Boogie? I don't know. How how well is he going to work with Horford pretty well, I guess, actually? It's not fair to clog up space. Um, and then you just open up the Hayward position for when he's back next year. I think my resolution for the Celtics is if they're in an opportunity like they were in a position like they were last year is to pull the damn trigger this time <laughs> and get a star, another one. But So, yeah, I guess I would, but that would be real tough. They love their boy over there. They do, I know. But the odds of them ever becoming as good as DeMarcus Cousins is, isn't, I mean, maybe, but DeMarcus Cousins is already as good as right. DeMarcus Cousins is. Right, is Jason Tatum going to be better than Cousins ever? And what are the odds? Even if he gets to him, that's great. But... Decent? I don't know. Yeah. I guess you have to. You have to explore, you have to call, which <laughs> right. is just, like, really tricky because DeMarcus Cousins is a head case. Because you have to really be like, okay, you seriously can't leave this to the press, but, or anyone in your office. Is that a thing that can happen? I don't know. Anything hush-hush? I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I'd trust that. Well, we didn't know about the Kyrie trade until his camp like went public with it to force their hand. Yeah. Sorry, I'm distracted watching um, Jason Tatum just absolutely destroy somebody on <laughs> on the Hornets with a, a Eurostep. It looks like Johnny O'Brien is like scared to go near him, is how good it was. <laughs> Yes, so this I is what think, we've evolved into watching Jason Tatum I don't Tatum think we highlights. should trade him for DeMarcus Cousins anymore. I mean, it is hard because he's young. He's on a rookie scale deal. He could become, like, super good. He easily transitions to you. When Hayward and Kyrie are, like, decrepit, like, Brown and Tatum will just be, like, running the NBA. and <laughs> It's pretty perfectly yeah, set up. But, but they have, the like, a thousand people. picks. They're going to get either get the Laker pick next year or the Kings pick Kyrie's the year be after that. in, like, eight years, though. He's 26? 27? No. He's only 26? Yeah. I guess that's probably true. He got drafted in 2011 at 19. It's only six years from then. He's 25. He's he's... 26 in March. He's not going to be decrepit. Jason Tatum's only four years younger, or six years younger than him. All right, so then they're just going to be running the NBA. Yeah. Well, actually, until the Warriors, like, just lovely. Stop them. Yeah. Because they're just going to be overlording the NBA for the next, like, five years. I hate the NBA. That's what I've determined. So that is the uh, conclusion to this podcast. Matt hates the NBA. NBA. Until the Knicks are good. It might not be that long. Oh, the Hawks could take Tim Hardaway's contract. No, Timmy is saying, (laughs) we're going to ride that contract until he fills it out. He's not going to. It's only 17 mil a year. At this point, that's less than 50% of a max contract. It's not that bad. It's pretty bad. He's dropping 30 night in and night out. Like once, a you know, he's dropping thirty <laughs> night in and night out. Like Kyle once Kuzma. a game, Kyle Kuzma. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, you can. We'll trade. <laughs> I, I like so Timmy, and he's having a good year. And Isn't I, there another shit contract on that team? Yeah, I'm numb to it. Like they gave who's the, Joe who's the Noah eighteen million. Oh my dead. god! Do you take Noah? How okay. many picks do you think the Knicks would attack to get rid of that? Probably awesome. none, because they just know that like they know what it's like to not have any picks. But... Yeah. Hopefully, they learned. 
so I think that'll do it for today. Um, thank you to everyone that listened, and we will be back in due time with our next installment. An indeterminate amount of time, hopefully soon. Yes. So. And, um, um, yeah, thanks. <laughs>